Hello everyone, welcome back to Gamer's Gambit, and today I've got a special treat for you all. Joining me today is Soldier Boy, and he is going to be engaging in a debate with my other guest, Reggie Philemon, and they're going to get into a little argument here where Soldier Boy is going to prove that Nintendo can't do shit to him and that uh, his console is totally legit. Yo, 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 crank up that lawsuit, Nintendo. I don't do shit for you. <laughs> okay. You can't, so... you, can't, you can't touch it. You can't touch it. Hey, wait. MC Hammer, you can't touch it. Yeah. Okay, uh, okay, soldier. MC wait, wait, Hammer's going no, to have to. No, I totally, I totally made that. MC Hammer never made that. Oh, okay. So, so you're. Totally so... original. Okay, so MC Hammer's totally cool with you ripping off his, his lyrics. I don't know. Is he still alive? I think I he is. So, okay. <laughs> so that's a belated uh, April Fool's here. And uh, you know us by now, Al and Wayne. And we're going to be talking about video game urban legends. Now, in my other two shows, Casual Martial Artist, we've already talked about uh, martial arts urban legends. And then in uh, Geekery in general, did an... Uh, Probably not going to drop quite yet, but uh, the next episode of that is going to be about role-playing game urban legends. So today, Wayne and I are going to be discussing video game urban legends. So in brief, an urban legend is a story that gets passed around. And back in the day, it was usually word of mouth. But then, of course, with the Internet and when email started to get more uh, widely used you had urban legends start to get trans transmuted or no that's not really a bad word uh that's not the best way to say it but you know they start to go around faster and usually with urban legends it's not unusual for them to go through changes and a lot of times political ones are good examples where a few years ago there were probably urban legends going around about uh, President Obama and some of those legends that went around about Obama are probably now being recirculated except with Trump substituted in there as well. So before we talk about video game urban legends, what is an example of an urban legend that you can remember? Um, well, I was going to do Bloody Mary, but if I say Trump's name three times in the mirror, does uh, Trump appear behind me and start talking? to me about being a right alt nationalist or something does, uh, does that he, actually i think if you say his name three times in a mirror it he gives you a really big super huge tax break yay <laughs> no okay so why don't you go talk talk tell a little bit about bloody mary i don't know much about bloody mary but i, I know it follows the same thing i first heard about it pretty much after there was a movie i believe Candyman that followed a apparently slightly the same theory and tell me if i'm wrong um but if you say her name three times in a mirror she'll appear behind you and you'll either people get killed or something if you do it and it's a kind of a supernatural kind of spooky kind of thing that you know you don't want to do it in the dark and say her name three times in a mirror or else bad things will happen and you may be murdered or does other people are or can you murder other people with it? You never know. But yeah, like that's uh, that I've heard of that one as well. It was a game that usually girls would play at uh, at slumber parties. I think you had to like hold a candle. And I have read a couple articles where there is a, apparently there is a scientific explanation where it's like if you say it three times and then do something, you see her face. And again, it, there is actually a scientific explanation as to why you see what you see. But yeah, Bloody Mary is a good example of an urban legend that in that case was adopted to uh, a new format with the Candyman movie, which I've never seen. But then again, if you heard stories about people summoning a supernatural killer, would you really test it out? It it depended how 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 much I really wanted to possibly kill someone, you know, or murder someone, you know. Normally I'm not about that, but you know, every once in a while, you know, you're just like go get him, 
And you know, whatever happens, happens. You know, my hands are clean. I didn't, I didn't decide to do it. That's, that's the spirits thing. I got no magical power. Yeah, and a good example, another example of an urban legend. Many years ago, I used to work at a planetarium, and I think it was in 2003. There was a There was a. Okay, I, for, I forgot the astronomical term, but Earth had reached it's there's a there's a there's a term when earth reaches its furthest point from the sun or you know a certain point of its orbit and then mars is also at a certain point of its orbit as well and during this particular i think it's a conjunction but during this particular conjunction because of just the way the orbits worked out they were going to be closer than usual because these conjunctions conjunctions are oppositions i i apologize i forgot what the i think it's conjunctions but uh whatever you know the event is it happens about every two years or so but for this particular event they were going to be closer than they had been in like thousands of years so there was a story going around that Mars was going to look the same size as a full moon. Now, the reason I remember that is because during that week, we actually started to keep track of calls. People would call us and be like, is it true that Mars is going to look the same size as the full moon? And then, you know, of course, we we didn't say, no, you flipping idiot. No, we didn't. That would have been rude and unprofessional. But no, what we did is we would, you know, took the time to educate them and explain, okay, this is what's really going to happen. Because the email that was going around saying that the moon was going to, or that Mars was going to look the same size as a full moon, left out a key detail. If you had just, if you had a powerful enough telescope, Mars would look the same size as a full moon. But like I said, all we just saw was Mars looked a little bit brighter than it usually does. So that's an ex- another. Ex- so, so, ju- so just to check, Mars was not going to enter our orbit and be as close as the moon. No, it was not. That that would actually really? be pretty scary. We'd we'd have some pretty serious problems, I think, if that happened. I I don't know if it's gravity and other you know large objects in space have nothing to do with anything in particular you know it's yeah just fine yeah. it'll be fine it'll just be there yeah so on to video game urban legends because of course you're not here to listen to us talk about astronomy though i'm sure of course there's tons of good uh, astronomy podcasts and actually one website i'd like to recommend i'm not sure if it's still in operation uh bad astronomy I don't know if you've ever heard of it or been to it, but uh, the guy who runs it, he does a lot of, he writes a lot of articles about misconceptions of space and, you know, astronomy. Uh, Like, for example, he, you know, discusses why people who think that the moon landing is a hoax are wrong and why, when we look at the evidence we have, why the moon landing couldn't have been faked. And I know he's also discussed another urban legend. Uh, I don't know if you've maybe heard this one, that it's possible to balance an egg on the spring equinox. Which, you know, he was saying that, well, yes, it is possible to do it on the spring equinox. Guess what? It's possible to do it any day of the year. You don't have to wait for the spring equinox in order to try to balance an egg on its tip, but... So are you telling me when I sacrificed the goat on the spring equinox to try to get the egg to balance and it did, it was just that it would have happened any other way and I wasted a good goat? Yes, I'm sorry to inform you, Wayne. You did. You, you wasted a perfectly good goat and the sacrifice was not necessary to make the egg balance. Oh, my God. Do you know how much time it took to clean up the blood? Oh, my God. Probably a lot, I imagine. <sighs> okay, so... You. <laughs> on to video games so it's hard to say what the you know what the granddaddy of video game urban legends is but i would guess probably polybius 
Now, have you ever heard anything about Polybius? Is this a legend that you're familiar with? No, not exactly, but let me just make sure I have the right game. Is the Polybius the little uh, shooter game? The little, uh, I forget what they used to call them. We don't have any, like um, Gradius and Light Force and other things like that. It wasn't a first, it wasn't like a side scrolling shoot 'em up. Uh, the, from the descriptions people have that they remember, it sounds like it was a glitched out version of Tempest. I don't know if you remember that okay. game where you have this script yep. that you're moving around and shooting at things. So the legend dates to 1981 in Portland, Oregon, where there was, uh, I don't remember if it was a bar or an arcade, but I think it may have just been a bar, but there was this machine there called Polybius. And supposedly the game had weird noises and, and flashy graphics and the owner of the establishment realized that, well, he noticed that people would break out in fights over who got to play this game next. And it was really addictive and people would line up for, you know, an hour or more just to get a chance to play this game. Now, what was also unusual is the story goes that there were men in black who would go to the game and they appeared to be collecting data out of it. So this led to rumors that the Polybius was actually a government experiment where they were experimenting with mind control because supposedly people who played this game would uh, report that uh, the they would have like night terrors and hallucinations, and one of the part one of the legends is that, or part of the legend is that they may have been dispersing LSD from this machine, because what people were describing is actually a good description of some of the side effects of LSD, which no I don't know this from personal experience. This is just stuff I've read from various sources. All right, so. Here's my question for you. Lately, we've been on the topic of video games creating violence in our schools and other places. Could this all be a strange, strange conspiracy by the government, secretly in our cartridges, in our arcade machines, to put LSD in the system to cause strange and bizarre acts of violence towards the American populace? Discuss. Yeah. You know... That might not be out of the question because a lot of people think that Polybius was part of a program by the CIA called MKUltra. Now, this is an actual, uh, you know, this is an actual program where it was experimenting with mind control. Now, there were also rumors that they were doing other sorts of experiments like causing people to age faster or slower as well as developing truth serums, uh, drugs that would cause memory loss, and drugs that would cause physical disabilities. Now, supposedly, MKUltra ended in 1973, but we don't know that. So, you know, Wayne, you might be on to something. So, if I were you, after this episode drops, you might want to pay extra attention to make sure there aren't any men in black following you around. Okay, I, but, I've not seen them lately, but except for my last corporate meeting, there were a <laughs> lot of people in black suits, so maybe. But there is one thing that if where this actually lends credibility to this just being an urban legend. The name Polybius, it actually comes from an ancient Greek historian who believed that historians should never report what they cannot verify through interviews with witnesses. So if you think about it, that does lead credibility you know, to the fact that Polybius is just more, nothing more than an urban legend and actually not a conspiracy theory by our government. But okay. still, I mean, still, some people don't rule it out because we do know that in the past, the government has conducted civilian you know, tests on civilians without their consent and you know atari d 
did also make that Battlezone game, or actually the game that became Battlezone, was originally based on a tank simulator they did make for the U.S. Army. Well, you know, uh, what is the game that just came out, by the way? Is it Army of One or something? That It didn't come out, just come out. Yeah, it was a while um, ago, yeah. But wasn't that an entire thing to try to get people to enlist in the Army? They had a huge, like, this is our simulator to show you what it's like or something like that. I thought they did that recently, too. Yeah, that was a while ago. I think that was during Gulf War Two. But yeah, they I know they did make that game too as a recruitment tool, so well, moving on. Pokemon. And there's there's a number of urban legends about Pokemon, but I think the one I find most fascinating is Lavender Town Syndrome. Now, have you ever played any of the Pokemon games for the original Game Boy? I have not. I played a little bit on somebody's uh, 3DS for a little bit because they released a couple of them, but I never actually got a chance to play the actual Game Boy or Game Boy Advance Pokemon games because at the time, I just didn't have a Game Boy or a Game Boy Advance. (laughs) Yep, and the legend goes... Because the music that they play in Lavender Town, pretty creepy, especially for a Game Boy. And it's this kind of this slow, eerie, monotonous piece. Because in Lavender Town, there's a tower that has graves that belong to dead Pokemon. Now, the the legend states that the original music soundtrack for that stage was set up so that there was a different set of sounds coming from the left side of the speakers as there was from the right side. So if you were listening to this on headphones, again, you would hear a totally different thing on your left than on your right, and supposedly your brain would mix that together to create um, you know, an unusual effect with the music. So while the game was still in Japan... It was said that kids who had been playing the game and listening to it through headphones would start to suffer headaches, nausea, and various behavioral problems. This eventually led about 200 kids to commit suicide, and so it caused Nintendo to recall these games, and then they they redid the soundtrack so it would be a stereo track instead of uh, what it was, and then after that you know, reports of Lavender Town Syndrome ceased. So now, has this ever been debunked? Because the first thing I thought of while you're describing this is that it it would be very disconcerting to have two tracks out of two different areas. And depending on how the sound was, I could see it actually causing headaches or, or, you know, disturbances, you know, like actual discomfort or whatnot, because it's, if you've ever had like two people and you're trying to follow like one conversation, but you're close enough and your mind kind of latches onto a second conversation, sometimes it is kind of like weird to just like your mind's trying to catch both conversations at once, but sometimes they just can't follow. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Yeah, I have. And as far as I know, it has been debunked. I mean, I totally agree that listening to like, Two different things in each, you know, one in each year can be certainly disorienting or disorientating. And what you were describing, uh, again, this is a bit off topic, but there is a theory as to what causes dreams. And one of the theories is that, you know, every day your brain takes in a lot of information and it can't all. It can't process it all of it at once. So some of that information gets shoved into the back of your mind. And, you know, so then it, uh, when your brain has a chance to finally process that information, usually while you're asleep, then it starts to do its thing. And that could be what causes dreams. For example, let's say that you were you are waiting in the doctor's office for an appointment and you are just sitting there playing on your phone or whatever. And maybe there was a TV in the background and it was a travel channel 
show talking about Disney World. So your brain might catch the occasional little mention of Disney World or some attraction there, and maybe occasionally you'll subconsciously look over, you'll catch those images in your mind. But since you're so busy, you know, playing on your cell phone, your brain doesn't process those images. So then later that night, you go to bed, well, your brain has all these images and and sounds and words associated with Disney World that it needs to do something with, and then as a result, you have a dream that you go to Disney World. Now, again, not being a psychologist or anything, but honestly, I think that does sound like a pretty good scientific theory as to what could possibly cause dreams. All right. So uh, that's all I can say because my, my dreams are never that that consistent. So where I could actually remember what I heard that day versus what what not. But that one's kind of I don't know. It's a neat theory. Yeah, no, I I do think that it was like that Lavender Town one. See, that's what makes some of these urban legends especially, you know, maybe for the video games too, so intriguing, right? They, uh, And this goes with conspiracy theories also. They've got that little thing that you just latch onto and go, that sounds like it could be correct. Yeah. Or that sounds true. You know, I could see this happening. And people are like, why would you fall for that? But it's just that little, there's a little catch that's just so truthful that you could see it happening that it's like, okay. Yeah, and that's actually uh, something that's very common with urban legends, that while a lot of times they are completely false, sometimes it turns out they're either true or at least partly true. And one of the things I like about the Lavender Town Syndrome, we can see it as being symbolic of the corruption of your childhood, because I'm sure there's a lot of people, they have fond memories of playing these Pokemon games as kids. So when you start to pass around these stories about how, you know, it's causing suicide and nausea and headaches, that, you know, it's kind of that corruption of this childhood symbol that you that you always loved. It could be actually causing you to have insanity. Yep. Now, the next urban legend has to do with the game Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which, as I understand, you've actually played that game, right? I have played that game. I have never finished it, but I have played that. I know that the water temple sucks. Now, do you did you ever play through the fire temple? Uh, no, I don't think I ever got to that point. Um, or did I? Yeah, because I had to get through through that one because then I knew the water temple sucked by trying to raise and lower the water levels. There is a legend, urban legend about the fire temple, that. There were some fans that noticed that the early versions of the game, the Fire Temple had this chant in the background, but then the later versions didn't have the chant. It was just the music. So there was a legend going around, and there's actually a really good video on it. Pop Fiction. Unfortunately, I don't think the show is being updated. It's on the Game Trailers uh, YouTube channel. But Pop Fiction actually had a very good episode about this where they explained uh, the the reason behind the, the controversy. So again, there was this rumor going around that the reason there was this change is because supposedly the chant was a Muslim prayer. And, you know, there was outcry from the Islamic community because, and again, just going back to my my experience at the planetarium, there are some, and again, just want to stress, there are some um, branches within Islam where they do find music and the spoken word at the same time to be offensive. And the reason for that is because the music takes away or it distracts you from being or listening to what's being said. Now, you might wonder, how does this play into my experience at the planetarium? Well, we had one private show where I had to make a modification because we were doing a pre-recorded show that we got from another planetarium, and we were doing it for uh, an Islamic group that had scheduled a private show, and they asked that we don't have any background music. 
And we didn't ask why. It wasn't really important. Um, but what I had to do is because the show file, the way our, our system was set up, the, um, we had five speakers. We had the front center one, and then we had left front, left uh, back, right front, right back. And the way we did most of our shows is we put the narration track on the center speaker and then the music on the left and right speakers. So, I mean, it was no big deal. All I had to do was just go in and alter something in the program. So we would just mute the, you know, the, the music channels and then, you know, they were fine with it. And uh, I wasn't the one that actually gave the presentation, but they sent us a thank you letter afterwards. So at least that's my understanding. And if we do have any Muslim listeners, maybe you could, uh, if you want to get in touch with us just to clarify that. But at least that's my understanding is that some branches of Islam just consider it disrespectful or wrong to mix music and with prayer or a spoken word. But uh, like I said, Pop Fiction actually had a really good episode where they, they looked at the dates of the different releases and the one that had the, the chanting on the Fire Temple music was like, a, I guess it was like a pre-release version. So because of the, the time frames, the you know outcry from the Muslim community would not have been a reason why they, you know, why they, they, they changed the music. But they later did an updated version where they showed that they actually found out that Nintendo, the, uh, the chant that they were using actually came from a sound library because the same chant appears in a few other games. Um, so, and they, they also used some of these samples in other tracks in that particular song. So I thought it was interesting. And uh, the, again, the theory is that Nintendo probably just realized that, okay, maybe some Muslims might be offended by this. So that's why they, they made the change just so they wouldn't offend anybody. Now, now here's a question for you, though. Was the actual chant a Muslim prayer or not? Like, it's... well, well, it doesn't, well, it's not, because I understand that it wasn't really people complaining about it or being upset about it. Was it actually, was the sound file that, that they actually used, was it actually an Islamic chant or was that also not correct too? It may have been because another YouTuber I watched, Gaijin Goomba, on one of his cultures, when he had his, an episode of Culture Shock, where he did actually have a couple Muslim friends of his that were explaining some of the stuff about, um, you know, the uh, some of the symbols that they had to alter. Like the there was a shield in one of the Zelda games that had a crescent moon, and then mm -hmm. in the Western release they released they 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 altered it so it wouldn't have the moon, and again because some Muslims might find that offensive. Now, they did have one uh, Muslim who was explaining that um, the it was hard to tell because of, uh, because of the echo, but some of it sounded like it may have been part of a call to prayer, which, and again, I, it's been a while since I've seen that video, but uh, again, and I think the the person, the Muslim explaining it did also make the same point about how, because uh, part of Islam is they pray five times a day. And in some countries where it's available, they have someone doing a call to prayer. So it's considered, again, blasphemous to mix music with that call to prayer. But again, just want to stress, not all Muslims are, you know, believe that mixing prayers, chants, or spoken word with music is disrespectful. There's only some of it that believe that have that, that, that have that particular belief. So moving on, the next one dates back to actually our era when we first started playing video games, when we were kids, you know, about years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Metroid. Dinosaurs roam the earth. Well, okay, this was like actually Metroid. this was actually maybe after uh, Metroid. Uh, you know, this was after Dinosaurs roam the earth. But so you played Metroid as a kid. Did mm -hmm. you ever remember hearing rumors of Metroid having a hidden world? No, that one I did 
that because there was so much there was so much hidden Metroid was so large anyway that even if it was a rumor, I don't think I would have registered it as not just something that you had to secretly find that wasn't even a rumor that there was another area in Metroid that was really, really hard to find. I don't think I would have been able to tell the difference. Yeah, because the, the legend goes that there's a certain point in the game. That, see, there's a glitch you can take advantage of called the door jump. where Because the way you open doors in the game is you shoot them. Well, so what you do is you shoot the door, and then you gently nudge yourself forward so you're standing in the doorway, and then you wait for the door to close in around you. And then what you doing, what you start doing, it's like you start going up and down, and jump you start jumping and then like moving the controller up and down and you have to be very careful because if you do it wrong you go into ball form and you're stuck and then you have to just reset your game so what happens though is if you do it in just the right area you start to you get past the walls and you start to enter a a very strange looking part of the game and again it was rumored for a long time that this was actually a hidden world that the developers put in there. It's just for one, whatever reason, they didn't give you a way to get there. And again, refer back to Pulp Fiction. They had uh, an episode where they discussed this and they explained what really was happening. Because the way the game is programmed is as you're moving around the map, the game loads two sets of data. First is the room data. And then there's data that show that tells the game what enemies and stuff are supposed to be in that room. But what you're doing is when you're doing that wall jump, the game is having problems loading the data. So that's what causes it to, you know, to glitch out and create this supposed hidden world. So I thought that was neat because again, back when I was a kid, I always thought that, yeah, it was just a hidden world that the game the game designers put in there. They just didn't give you a way to get to that. So, uh, yeah, it just turns out it was a glitch that happened to work out into something cool. And to be honest with you, for people who didn't know any better, at the time, would they have really been able to tell the difference between, you know, oh my God, the, everything looks different that I've never seen this before, versus, you know, <laughs> it was just glitchy, so yeah. Now, Pop Fiction also had another one, and this is one I wasn't aware of, that supposedly there was a hidden boss in Street Fighter 2 and called Shen Long. Now, the, the rumor was that in order to face Shen Long, and, well, first, here's how the rumor is believed to have gotten started. In some versions of the first Street Fighter 2 game, you, when, if you play as, if you fight against Ryu, if he beats you, uh, he'll say, or one of his, I don't know if it, if it applies if you, if you win as him or not, but one of his end of game phrases is, you must defeat Shang Long to stand a chance. And what it really was supposed to say, and they did correct this is, you must defeat my dragon punch to stand a chance. But again, this led to this rumor that there was a hidden boss, Shen Long, and I think to to get to him it's like you it was difficult it's like you had to go through the entire game up to m bison without losing a match and then you had to go 10 rounds as a you know as a draw and then it once you reach those conditions then sheng long would appear he'd beat up m bison and you'd have to fight him but the this actually turned out to be just a, an April Fool's joke played by Electronic Gaming Monthly. Uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly, how we miss you. Where did you go? Didn't it actually turn out that there they put in a boss that was Shenlong, but instead they named him Akuma? That I don't was know like the, the master of the Dark Kadou? I think Akuma was different, but uh, I think it was either Street Fighter 4 or Street Fighter 5. They did actually may, um, introduce Shang Long as a character uh, into the game. So, okay. Well, okay, the next couple legends have to do with the supposed deaths of two different characters in two different games. Now, have you ever played Luigi's Mansion for the GameCube? 
I have not, but I have heard much, many, many things about it. Yeah, because I haven't played it either, but I've heard it's actually a pretty good game. And there is a rumor that Luigi is actually dead in the game. So the, and the reason people came to this conclusion is there's a part where like you, if you answer the phone and something, you know, when the lightning flashes in the background, it looks like Luigi, you can see his shadow. It looks like he's hanging, like he committed suicide. And one of the reasons people thought he was dead is because the way the game is designed, it was supposed to realistically portray lighting in shadows. And then I guess also like when you look in mirrors, Luigi doesn't see his reflection. So that's what started this rumor that, you know, Louis, that that shadow you were seeing was actually a dead Luigi. But again, from I, Nintendo, I guess they did debunk it where they just officially declared that no, Luigi is not intended to be dead. It's just a glitch. I'm just, I'm just saying it's, it's an interesting theory because why would he be hunting ghosts unless he was dead? Maybe it was some kind of redemption story. That is true. He maybe. was never, he was never good enough to be as good as Mario. So now he, he hung himself in a mansion. Uh, a moment of silence for poor Luigi. Or Luigi. Now, the next several uh, urban legends have to do with Final Fantasy. So, the first one is Final Fantasy VIII, Squall is Dead. Now, have you ever heard of this one? Because I guess this theory has actually been around for a while. And Now, did you have you ever actually played Final Fantasy VIII? Or? Yeah, I got tired of it. I didn't like the magic draw system. I've heard that if you play it nowadays, it's a little bit, you know, because it's different, it's a little better. But I did watch some YouTube videos, though, and the story is apparently kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah, and that's, see, the reason, this is how that theory got started. Um, the Because halfway through the game, I don't know if it's exactly halfway, but there's a part of the game where they're trying to assassinate the sorceress Adia, or Adina, something like that, but... Uh, anyways, what happens is she attacks him with some ice shards, and it looks like it goes right through his chest, uh, possibly hitting his heart. And then, you know, he falls off the float, and then from there, he wakes up, and that wound is never mentioned ever again. Now, uh, there is a good theory that, or there is a good video I saw where they also were explaining that if you look at it, the first part, the game up until then was fairly realistic. But then after he wakes up, and again, the wound is completely healed, no one ever mentions it ever again. But then the game starts to become weird. And they were also mentioning other things like, at the start of the game, yeah, Seifer is Squall's rival, but there is still somewhat of a respect between the two. But then after the game, he, you know, after the, uh, you know, Squall wakes up, Seifer all of a sudden is this bitter enemy. And not only that, now Riona is falling for him. Uh, he gets promoted from a cadet to this leader within his, his mercenary group. And then at the end of the game, when all this weird stuff's happening, it's supposed to be, well, up until the end of the game, it's supposed to be wish fulfillment. You know, Squall is dying, but he is, you know, he's imagining this scenario where Riona falls in love with him. And, you know, that Seifer who was competing for uh, Riona's attention is now this jerk that she doesn't want anything to do with. And, you know, he's getting promoted. He's having delusions of grandeur. And then at the end of the game where everything starts to get weird, that's him, you know, seeing his like life flash before his eyes. Okay, so that's kind of a strange thing. But, again, uh, Square Enix did actually debunk that. Uh, I, again, I did read an article where one of the uh, designers was saying that it was intended that, you know, the, the, the blade actually would have pierced him more in the shoulder, so it wouldn't have hit anything vital. That's 
I don't know. That almost seems kind of like a cop-out answer, though. What do you think? Now, here's a question for you, though. From what what I remember of Final Fantasy series, how many times in those cutscenes do any does anyone do anyone? That's good. Uh, does anyone refer back to like old wounds gotten in cutscenes or things like that? Because I think they're kind of notorious of just going. Oh, it's just a flesh. It's kind of like the black just knight. Just a flesh from wound. It's like it's just a flesh wound. We'll we'll go on. You were stabbed through the chest. Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. So hmm. I that that's the question that I have. I I just don't know. Like people are making a big deal about that, but throughout the game, you know, except for Eris, of course, <laughs> which you just kind of like bury her at sea. Spoiler warning. Um, <laughs> too late. Um, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's like that's the only time that I remember an actual wound kind of being permanent or, you know what I mean, not being brought up again in the entire game. You know, I don't remember them actually taking wounds in cutscenes very serious later on. That's a good question. That's a good point. I'm not really sure because uh, I can't think of any games offhand where a hero sustains a serious injury like that and it's never brought up again. But, yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, speaking of Aerith, a moment of silence oh. for poor Aerith. Or actually, no. Before we move on to Aerith, a moment of silence for Squall. Oh, Squall. Okay, so on to Aerith. So we all know that Aerith dies in Final Fantasy VII. So one of the legends out there and again, this is another one that uh, Pop Fiction did cover, is there is a legend that Aerith can be revived. Supposedly, if you go through all of these different, you know, different steps, that you can bring her back. And, you know, that's actually one thing about the Final Fantasy series, and my son was actually pointing this out when we were talking about it. Why is it that, you know, before Final Fantasy, like, well, Final Fantasy VII isn't the first game where, you know, a major where a character dies without being able to be brought back. We see the same thing happen in Final Fantasy IV with Tella, and we see the same thing happen in Final Fantasy V with Galoof. Uh, also happens to several characters in Final Fantasy II and Final Fantasy III. How come though it wasn't until six VI and seven that we started to hear legends? or rumors going around that it was possible to revive these characters. I mean, because I don't know about you, I never heard anyone say, oh, there's this way that you can revive Tella, you know, or or you can revive Galoof. It, yeah, I never heard anyone say there were rumor there were rumors there. The, the the my explanation for that is that there was a rumor and it's kind of true from what I understand no it could not be but that the game was rushed and it, when it came out it wasn't technically totally finished that they had enough content and story that they could have gone on now people may have used that to say you know in the deep dank depths of code <laughs> there's unused portions where you could resurrect Aerith or whatnot later on hmm. okay yeah, and I guess it, there are, in some of the later versions, there's a glitch you can take advantage of that does allow you to keep Aerith. And uh, again, I think Pop Fiction did have an updated version where there's like a certain disc swap technique you can use that will allow you to keep uh, Aerith in the party. But, because it allows you to skip that part where she would die. So, yeah, unfortunately though, the one of the game designers did confirm that Aerith always was intended to die and was never intended to be brought back. And I apologize, I forgot the guy's name, but he was saying that, you know, at first they weren't sure if this was the right thing to do, but then when they saw the fan reaction, then they knew they made the right decision to kill off Aerith and not bring her back. Yeah, no, it, it, not bringing her back would have been a mistake, I think, because it would have kind of made, made the entire scene pretty cheap at that point. Unless unless they did it after, like, an end cap to Sephiroth, like a gift gift from the planet or something like that. Okay. Um, but 
but to have it while you were still playing, I think that would have made that entire scene just why kill her off in the first place then? Yeah. It, it holds no value. Yeah. A moment of silence for Aerith. Aerith. Well, I mentioned six Final Fantasy VI before, and we have yet another legend of a character that dies and supposedly can be revived. Now, actually, there's a few legends from Final Fantasy VI I'd like to talk about. The first one is that supposedly General Leo can be revived. And I've heard a number, a couple of different stories. The one that I thought sounded most credible is... In the world, when you get to the world of ruin, there's some series of islands that if you walk around long enough, you'll encounter some sort of uh, zone eater type creature. And I think it's like you had you had to let it suck you in, and then you went through this dungeon and you got you got an item that I think was called the gold potion. And then when you took that back to General Leo's grave, it allowed you to bring him back. So, have you ever heard this legend before? Have you heard any other uh, supposed ways to bring Leo back? I have not, but that does sound... Again, it's one of those... It sounds credible. I mean, there's no reason why it wouldn't be. Just a special item for a special... Especially as time goes on, and we have side quests that are kind of like that. Just, you can miss them if you don't look for them. You know, it's really hard to go, that's not... True. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the reasons why, you know, that that legend started is because General Leo was one of those characters. He was the noble villain. Uh, and actually, I wouldn't even go so far as to call him a villain. He was a soldier following orders. But we see a side of him when in when Sabin is sneaking into the Imperial camp to get to Doma, where you know, you hear General Leo telling these troops, you know, don't sacrifice your lives. You know, the emperor wouldn't want that. And he, you know, you find out later he is actually, he was against the poisoning of Doma and he would have tried to stop Kefka if he could. So that's one of the reasons I think that the people wanted to see him brought back because it's like, you know, as Sabin said in the game, if he wasn't my enemy, he'd be my friend. Now, uh, Pop Fiction did do an episode where the, there is a glitch that you can use where you can actually play as General Leo for a bit other than the, the scripted event. It has something to do with like the airship where you have to get to a certain point, And then once you get to that point, you, you have to save at a specific location. And then you can't save again until... Uh, until after a certain event occurs. And uh, again, you'll have to look up the episode, but uh, unfortunately you, you can't keep them till the end of the game. Events still have to proceed as they're written where eventually he will die, but it is still kind of neat to know that there is a legitimate way you can get the, you can get General Leo back in your party. Okay. I'm not sure... Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. I'm just like, yeah, I having them in my party. I don't really know if I want that, but because there were enough characters already, so having one more. Yeah. <laughs> just, but at the same time, going through the actual like a story mission or whatnot to bring them back and have it as some sort of you know redemption for him or whatnot, or to follow that he actually gets something. You know what I mean? That would have been a cool little sight quest if that was real see the thing is though see the way the reason i i like that that legend is because general leo's death had weight because again you did actually feel kind of sorry for the guy when he died so that's why i'm kind of against the idea sometimes of bringing a dead character back because then does that mean that that sacrifice was wasn't worth anything so but a moment of silence for General Leo. General Leo. Moving on. Uh, the next legend from 6 is... Now, you're familiar with the, the Cursed Shield and the Cursed Ring, right? Yeah. So both of these are items you get in the World of Ruin. And with the Cursed Shield, 
it is possible to to break the curse on it. It's like you have to have someone equip the shield for, a, I think it's like 255 battles or something like that. And then once you, you know, you've completed a certain number of battles, you break the curse and it becomes the Paladin shield. So I can see how the rumor of the Paladin ring got started that, and it was believed to work in much the same way that you, you'd have to have the ring equipped for a certain number of battles. And then once, you know, you, you completed those battles, you broke the curse and you got a Paladin ring. I never heard any legends though, as to what exactly the Paladin ring was supposed to do. So are you familiar with this legend at all? Not really. No, I never, like I knew about the curse ring, curse shield, but actually turning it into something else and it would do something for you that I never. Yeah. So that was probably just a, cause I mean, if you look back, it actually did make sense because if you have this cursed shield that you can break, you know, that you can break a curse on, why not? You know, why not a cursed ring? I mean, why would the game designers put a ring in there with a curse if it couldn't be broken? Now, the next one is about Shadow, the ninja. So the there was a rumor going around that Shadow... Now, we do know that officially Shadow is Realm's dad. Because when you... You know, there's a couple little hints in there. Because when... Um, I think in one of the remakes, uh, Shadow and Strago have a little bit of a dialogue. But... In the original version, one of the things that gives you this clue is when you first get to Thamassa, you know, Realm sees Interceptor and she's like, oh, a puppy, you know, and she wants to play with it. And, you know, the uh, Shadow's like, that's not a good idea. He bites. But instead, Interceptor runs right up to Realm and they go up and they go play. And... You know, and that that leaves everyone confused. Now, another one of those little hints is there's an item called the Memento Ring. There's only two characters in the game that can use it, Realm and Shadow. So we knew there was a connection. Also, when you get to the, when you have Shadow in your party, when you stay at an inn, sometimes you do see these flashback sequences where you learn a little bit more about the character. So you might wonder, we have this character that everyone is always referring to as a man. Why do people think that Shadow might actually be a woman? Now, the reason is because it has to do with whether you wait for Shadow on the floating continent or not. Because if you wait for him, then when you find him on the cave on the veldt, uh, you go up to him and it says, Look at those wounds. Let's get her back to, you know, town. And the reason that says that is because it was just apparently bad. They didn't check the game enough. Because if you... Yeah. Yeah, because if you don't wait for Shadow, I believe that's where you find Realm. But if you do wait for him, Realm goes there instead. It's just they forgot to program it to say, look at, you know, let's get him, you know, to, to an inn instead. Okay. Now, the last legend of Final Fantasy VI has to do with the Kaiser Dragon. And supposedly there's this series of, uh, you know, in the original version, there's these series of uh, quests you have to go through that would let you fight this super tough optional boss called the Kaiser Dragon. Now, I believe they did make it in, they did introduce the Kaiser Dragon in the remakes. But one thing that's actually interesting is, we do know the Kaiser Dragon does exist in the original version of Final Fantasy VI. Because again, Pop Fiction did an episode on this where someone was looking through the game's code and they did find an unused sprite for the Kaiser Dragon. And so apparently you were, they, you were meant to fight him. It's just for whatever reason, they didn't get a chance to program him in. Probably... You know, probably just that, uh, you know, they they probably just ran out of time. Okay, so do, does anybody say where he was supposed to show up as a 
because we did have one dragon and we fought him. Uh, we had a couple of dragons on the Isle, the Isle of Ruin, right? Or what did they call all the island in the sky? The floating continent. Uh, I don't think you had it. Yeah, because yeah, the dragons don't start appearing, or at least the big dragon fights, those don't start appearing until the World of Ruin. But, yeah, because I'm not sure. I mean, I don't remember all the details of the quest. And I think the reason this one got started is because after you defeat the last dragon and you get the Crusader Esper, it says, you know, there's a message that says Dragon Seal Broken. So that probably led some people to think that, okay, there must be another tougher dragon that you get to fight somehow. Yeah, and he could be he could be a like a roaming world boss or something. I think they had one of those. Yeah, there was one in the airship, uh, Doom Gaze or Death. Yeah, was it Death Gaze or Doom? Gaze? I think it was Doom Gaze. Probably Doom uh, Gaze, I think. Yeah. Uh, so you did it. You did encounter him, though. Many years ago, I did read on one website there was supposedly a rumor of another floating monster that you could only fight around Kefka's tower. Uh, it was a flying behemoth, and if you defeated it, you got a weapon called the Marsh Claw, which was the best weapon for Sabin, uh, which was actually a play on the Japanese name, because in the Japanese version of, of Six, uh, the character we know as Sabin is actually called Mash. Okay. But... Well, the final legend, blowing a nest cart will make it work. Now, do you remember ever blowing your, your NES cartridges? Yep, and strangely enough, it always worked. Yeah. Whether that was just a whether that was just a uh, <laughs> happenstance or whether it actually did get the dust off the pins, we don't know. So the reason it supposedly works is when you blow on it, the moisture from your breath will you know collect on the the connectors and that might help bridge the connection between you know the nes and the connectors at least that's the story i've heard about why supposedly blowing on a nest cart makes it work yeah i always i always heard it was dust that that by blowing the the blowing in the in between by the pins um you actually could remove the dust from any of the pins and uh, help make the connection more solid. I was later told uh, that you should use a Q-tip with uh, uh, some uh, el- rubbing alcohol and just try to not oversaturate it, but you know, just rub the rub the connections clean. Yeah, and supposedly a little bit of Windex will work as well. But yeah, whenever I've done it, I've used I usually used rubbing alcohol. So, but it, well, but again, it's weird. It's weird if that was just a if that's just a rumor because it did always seem to work like uh, you got a glitch and it could have just been because you turned on the nes and it just didn't connect or whatnot and if you would have just done it you know a few more times it would have eventually connected you know what i mean versus oh just because i blew on this now now it works now yeah well those are some more prominent urban legends of video games and i know there's a ton of others out there i just Basically, we just covered some of the more interesting and well-known ones. But, hey, if there's a video game urban legend that we forgot and you'd like to uh, let us know about it, feel free to contact us, poigamestudio at gmail.com, and uh, we'll discuss it in a future episode. So, with that said, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in and keep on gaming. I almost forgot our uh, ending little uh, catchphrase there. How could you get that? That should be our anthem. Yes. We should make a music video. (laughs) (laughs) You would think after all these episodes, I would finally remember what, how, you think I would have gotten down how we end the episodes now, wouldn't I? Dude, now we have to reach out to Real Soldier Boy and ask him to do the Keep On Gaming anthem for, for after (laughs) the, for after the show. Yeah. Okay, thanks again for joining us, everyone, and we'll talk to you later. Hey, this is Nick and Alex, and we're here to tell you a little bit more about Dungeon Junkies. Now, we're a podcast that's based in Austin, Texas, and we are hell-bent on making you laugh. 
Absolutely. We have some fantastic storytelling uh, with some badass characters and even better music, as well as a ton of jokes to make you laugh. So join Fenworth, Taryn, and Dr. Euphoria, and our sexy DM, Kenny, on a quest to save the world or destroy it. I guess whichever one comes first. <laughs> and you can also check out our Real Talk episodes where we get meta inside our campaign and really figure out the depths of our characters and also the story. So check us out on www.dungeonjunkies.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dungeon Junkies, because not all adventurers are meant to be heroes. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POIGamestudio.